This is the first episode of the lockdown series of the Women Who Sports podcast. We'd like to thank a couple of people who have helped us out in the podcast. So that's Virtual Wealth, who helped us set up the podcast. They're an insurance company based in Edinburgh. Sharon Martin for letting us use the song that's in the intro and that will be played again in the outro. And finally to um, Badger Shane Clothing, who you can find on Instagram. They supply their little artwork and they're a really cool t-shirt company. Always be proud of who you are, We've been looking forward to chatting to this big dog since we started the pod last year. I was personally fortunate enough to befriend our guest in my first year at Loughborough University while she was back finishing off her degree post-2012 Olympics. So today we're super excited to announce that our guest is Nicola White, MBE. Nick is an international field hockey player who plays midfield for Premier League side Holcombe, England and Great Britain. With 186 national caps to her name, Nick's won a gold medal at the 2016 Olympics and a bronze medal at the 2012 Home Games in London. Not to mention the many championship trophies, World Cup, Commonwealth and European titles that this hero has to her name. Unfortunately, Nick's world got turned upside down in March 2018 when she suffered a concussion playing a friendly against Ireland where her head collided with the player's shoulder. Since her incident, she has suffered prolonged symptoms and chronic migraines. This is something we'll briefly be touching upon later as rugby players ourselves. We're all too familiar with such horrific injury. But our main focus for today's pod is to discuss the highlights of such an illustrious career and to spread kind of a positive story in the midst of this COVID lockdown. Okay, so you started playing hockey at the age of seven, is that right? Yeah. So pretty early doors. What was it that got you into it? I think, I want to pick up a hockey stick and, and start playing hockey. <laughs> um, I guess I was quite lucky um, that we just played hockey at our school, so my junior school. Um, so I just played as part of my PE lessons. Um, and my teacher at school was, um, really well known in the sort of county and regional setups as well so I was really fortunate that she was like a big um, part of my uh, playing career from quite early on really um, but really the thing that got me playing was just the fact that we played in part of PE lessons at school um, and I pretty much loved it from day one. Um, I can't really remember uh, obviously everything that went on at the age of seven but all I remember is that I couldn't wait to play hockey every time it came around in the winter. Um, and I love that we obviously played as a team sport. And, um, and yeah, it was just my favourite one to play. So, yeah, that's how, how it came about. And then at what age did you move from thinking, OK, school's really fun. I actually want to take this further and, and join a club. Um, I think I joined my uh, first club at the age of uh, 10. Um, I, th- I think it was about 10 I went to join Saddleworth which was a ladies club um, and I went with a few of my friends because they were from the same, uh, my same class in school um, and that was quite daunting because um, obviously going to like a proper club for the first time at quite a young age 10 or 11 was a bit like oh gosh this is a big step um, but it was really really good because it does kind of make you 
see the game in a different way you're like wow like these are amazing people like these women are actually playing proper hockey compared to like school hockey but you know you learn just basic things um so it's a really really big step to do that and um I absolutely loved it and I learned so so much just from going and playing there um and in fact I still still keep in touch and know a few people who played at that first club it's not going anymore it's now called Oldham Hockey Club but um, yeah, there's still a few people going from it and it's amazing still, still keeping contact with them. Uh, I had really good memories from that first club. So yeah, about 10 or 11, I went there. Amazing. For you, when did hockey become more serious? So it started at school and then you moved to a club and then when did it become like, I want to play for England and that's what I'm aiming to do? Um, that's a good question. Because I think, I think when you're when you're younger I think it's just um, quite a natural progression especially if you're very sporty um, and you're up to at school and you've got so many sports going on which probably a lot of children do have I was juggling like hockey and netball and swimming and athletics that was I was good at all of them really so um, it wasn't until I got to probably the regional north of England team at um, I was in I was in a setup there from about thirteen. Um, so probably by the time I got sort of fourteen, fifteen, when you when you start to look at sort of the junior England systems, you start to think, um, oh, this could be a possibility that you could start to play for your country because obviously you have England scouts coming to those tournaments. Um, and that was really exciting because obviously at that time, um, I, my, you know, hockey was my main sport really. And I, I think I, I knew I was good at it. <laughs> I was always quite shy. So I was always quite reserved, but a lot of people said that, you know, you, you can do it. Like you can, you can get all the way and stuff, but I sometimes probably never really believed it. Um, but I guess when it got to that age and I knew the England scouts were there coming to the tournament, um and I got selected to go to them it almost put a lot of pressure on to perform at those tournaments um and that's when obviously we'll come up, probably come on to it later but that's when obviously things started to get a bit tricky with the pressure and and performing and not performing but yeah probably around the age of up to 15 it started to become a more realistic prospect that you could potentially play for uh England and further Amazing. With that, did you find yourself um, kind of going on as you progress into senior age groups and things, making use of sports likes and stuff to help you with that confidence? Or is it something you kind of weren't encouraged to do? What, at, that young, at, young, at such a young age? Um, I guess skipping forward to when you made your England debut and your GB debut and things, did you have access to that psych support to help with the confidence? Or by that point, had you started to develop that belief in yourself? Ah, right, okay. Um, so I think when I got to playing for England when I was uh, around 19, uh, 20, um, I think obviously I was a lot older and I think I, I, I was still, I still wasn't as confident as I am now, but um, there wasn't, it wasn't the same access as we have now uh, because obviously we've got such a great programme at Bisham. Um, with the centralised programme that we have but at the time 
uh, with being at university and going through like the TAS, um, Talented Athlete Scholarship Scheme and that sort of system. There was access to help, um, but it was more coming from sort of the coach at that point. It would sort of just be more like a one-on-one with, with your coach really, who would sort of point you in the right direction and give you some feedback. Um, and probably the most advice I got was from my, my mom, um, really. She was probably pretty much my psychologist throughout that time. Uh, so I wouldn't really say I had a direct input from, I can't remember getting such direct input from psychologists, but I remember a few coaches I did get some really good advice from who helped me really well at that point. Um, obviously now compared to the program it's totally totally different and it is specifically you know you know performance based and psychology uh, psychology work with that was it always for you about the olympics um like kind of was that dream real from a, a like at the same time that i guess england dream became real um yeah i think since a very young age um I've always dreamt of having an Olympic gold medal around my neck. Um, I remember being a little girl watching the Olympics on TV um, and I used to love watching the gymnastics, I used to love watching the athletics, Um, I used to absolutely love watching um, uh, Colin Jackson in the hurdles, I used to love watching Jonathan Edwards. Um, So I've got really fond memories of like watching specific sports people like on TV, and especially when Kelly Holmes won her double gold. I that think was that epic. Sort of, <laughs> I think that sort of cemented it in my, in my head. I know I was a bit older at that point compared to like when I first watched the Olympic, uh, my first Olympics, which probably would have been 80s um, or early 90s, but she obviously won that in 2004. Yeah, I, think. I think it was Athens, yeah. Um, so that was obviously a lot later, but... Uh, her winning the double gold was um, a moment when I was like, that is it. Like, that is exactly, like, that feeling that she obviously felt crossing the line. I was like, I just would love to feel that and want that. Um, so I guess in hockey, it's um, the Olympics is, is the pinnacle, really. You know, you do have World Cups and Europeans and they're fantastic tournaments as well. And they're, you know equally amazing really but um for me as a little girl watching Olympics on TV I guess it's always been about I'd love to have won an Olympic gold medal. That kind of brings it brings us on quite nicely to our next kind of question is the highlights of your career and you've been to two Olympics which is incredible and would they stand out as your absolute highlights or have you got other ones from perhaps like training or European competitions or, or World Cups? (laughs) <laughs> um I get asked this question so much <laughs> all right big time <laughs> no, <laughs> no as in as in like obviously what's your, your biggest highlight and it's really hard not to say the Olympic goal because I mean who doesn't want to win an Olympic gold yeah. medal and, it's and the pinnacle it is like you know other than probably winning like a world cup gold it is like the pinnacle so yeah, I think winning the Olympic gold is my biggest highlight, um, and and just and it, it wasn't just that moment. There were so many, um, like that moment on the podium, like 
obviously I was trying to hold back the tears even though there was a few coming down <laughs> but it was almost because I had so many flashbacks of moments that had happened all the way up to it um because it was it was just a, such a big team effort that went into it. It wasn't just like that moment. Obviously, you guys will know how much goes in behind the scenes and how many years lead up to it. Um, so I had so many flashbacks of all these mini highlights that went on of all the grueling mornings in the rain that we go through, all the all the girls that contributed so hard to training to pushers that didn't didn't make the squad. Um, all the good times that we celebrated, all the wins that, that we actually qualified for the Olympics as well. So, so many amazing memories. Um, but if it wasn't that one, then I've got really, really fond memories of the World Cup in Argentina in 2010, which is my absolute favourite place to play in the world. Um, I've just, I get goosebumps thinking back to like all the people in the stands, there's thousands of people in the stands and they go absolutely wild because they love hockey in Argentina. And I just couldn't believe it. I was, because also this was really early on in my career. I'd only joined the centralized program in 2009. 2010, I go to this World Cup in Argentina. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like they're jumping, stamping in the stands for the anthem. Um, Every time you get, they get the ball, uh, Argentina got the ball, they scream. It was just, it was wild. It was epic. It was so good. And we, um, we came away with a bronze medal. So um, that, was, that was a really special moment for me. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it was, but I just love the people. You get so many nice comments afterwards. They just, they don't care what nation you're from. They just want a picture. They want an autograph. They want a smelly shoe, a sock. Um, they want they want something from you to take home and they travel far and wide to come and watch hockey in Argentina so um other than the Olympics I think and 2012 um that's the World Cup in Argentina has got to be my third on the list because it's my favorite place to play. Okay I've got a question where does the MBE sit in all of this. You're an MBE. That's huge. You you've met royalty. Where where does this lie in all? <laughs> the MBE. Oh, that day. Oh gosh. I was trying to hold it together so much that day. Um. Oh gosh. Where does that sit? Like, how did you find oh. out about it? Did you get a letter? We did get a letter. Yeah, we got a letter. I think it was signed by Teresa. <laughs> I think Teresa May nominated us for our MBEs. Um, Go on, Teresa. I know. Um, yeah, we we got a letter telling us, and it was, in fact, I think my boyfriend opened the letter <laughs> because I wasn't there because we got it. Um, we got it around Christmas, and I think I was. I think I'd come home, and he was like, "You've got a letter," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just open it." no you you've, you've got a letter I was like just and he obviously didn't want to say but it's obviously something special <laughs> something knew what it was um so yeah uh that's I think it's very different to hockey the, the MBE because although the hockey is just obviously what we live and breathe and what we we love to do and we love being out there competing um I guess the MBE is, it's such an amazing thing to, that we've, we've all 
you know, been given this amazing accolade. Um, I don't really know where I'd, how I can rank it though, because it's like we just we just do something that we love. Um, like everybody else, we're just we're just putting in everything we can to our, the best of our ability. Um, and it's amazing that we've been recognised for that. And it's amazing that we've inspired so many people to pick up a stick. Um, so yeah, of course it's going to go high up the list. But I just I just feel like it's a very different. I can't mm. put it in a list with two Olympic medals and a and a World Cup feeling that I get goosebumps with. And then I go and think about my MBE experience where I was flumbling my words in front of a future king. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it was an amazing, it was an amazing time. Uh, and I'm really, really grateful that hockey has been put on the map and we've been awarded them. But obviously it doesn't stop and the hard work continues. I think... Kind of going on from that, you said that your two highlights um, would be the two Olympics. So London 2012, you guys got a bronze medal in front of a home crowd. Um, and then it was 2016 that you went on to get the gold. Did you celebrate that bronze at London 2012? Or was it like, you know, we've got this bronze, but, but we need to go and get a gold? Like, how quickly was the turnaround? Um, I guess, how quickly after London did you start thinking about getting that gold at Rio? Um... I think it was fairly quick. Um, I mean, I mean, coming away from London, um, I mean, that what what a huge tournament that was, um, and a huge Olympics for you know everybody in the nation. Um, and <laughs> in a, it was a really it was a really bizarre end because we'd lost the semi final against Argentina, and we were absolutely devastated like we were so 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 upset and I mean obviously everybody in sport would be if you'd lost any final but I guess for us um I don't know it hit us very hard I think we were doing really well in a, uh, we we're doing really well to get to that point and I guess we we probably felt like we could have got to the final and uh, we believed we could and I guess it hit us hard that we maybe just didn't quite achieve it um, so we picked ourselves back up and we actually, and then we went out and obviously smashed the bronze medal game against New Zealand. Um, but I think we came away feeling very proud of that and the bronze medal. And then, yes, we celebrated hard and we had a great time, went out in London and had um, some amazing celebrations together as teams and the whole of Team GB. But I think I remember I did come back to university after London 2012 to finish my studies um, and I know there were other people in the same boat that had to put things on hold but if I remember rightly I think um, with Danny being our coach like Danny's a, um, he's very he's very much like he will love to focus he'll get a job done and he'll be automatically thinking of the next thing I mean he's a very focused man um, and a great tactician and I think after London we'd, we'd done the job we'd done the best we could we'd finished with the bronze and we were all very proud that we'd managed to do it and I think it was almost then he, he was already think he was already basically saying for our rest period go and have a good time but make sure you come back in sort of good nick because we've got to crack on to the next cycle like the next cycle will be starting um, and we've sort of got to regroup and sort of bigger and better things can be coming our way so I think if I remember rightly that was sort of 
um, the vibe of what was going on. It was all, it was almost like that's been done. He's he he in his head is already thinking about the next. Um, but yeah, it was it's that's just sport. I think I think in in sport generally you just you move on. You've got a tournament done. Um, you reflect on the result very quickly, and you move on to the next. And that's that's the same if it's just a semi-final to a final, a group game to a semi-final, or if it's the end of a tournament to a next cycle. I think it's the same for any sports person. You have to reflect very quickly, um, and the more you go down your career, the quicker you learn to reflect. I think. I think as an as a youngster, um, I think it sometimes take, can take you quite a while to reflect on those experiences um emotionally and move on but the the more mature you get and the more experience you get the quicker you can sort of do those processes i think with sport like i was gonna say team sport especially but actually for all sport yeah as you said like it doesn't matter what the result is there's always the next tournament around the corner i think now is probably the only time in our life that nobody knows <laughs> yeah. when that's going to be <laughs> not right <laughs> now yes <laughs> so kind of next but we want to talk about like the challenges that you've faced so if you'd be willing to talk to us about kind of I know that you face challenges with like psych stuff that you touched upon earlier and then also with injury I mean I would say I've <laughs> I think I've had my fair share of challenges I haven't I wouldn't say I've had a um my, the route I've taken to get to um the international system has been a bit turbulent <laughs> um so I would say I face a lot of challenges on my way to make it. Um, so, for example, um, like I said to you, but before about break, trying to break into the system, um, and knowing that I wanted to try and, you know, I wanted the Olympic gold medal. I wanted it to preferably be in hockey, but at that point, I was like, whether it be hockey or athletics, probably my top two sports. I was like, I'll take either. I'll take an Olympic gold medal in either if I can make it. Um, but I did get an England trial for under 16 um, and I actually failed at that first trial so um, I came away feeling really really disheartened obviously as a 15 year old thinking well that's it you know my journey's over my dream's over um, probably not really understanding at such a young age that there'll be more opportunities um, you have to, again, like we've just said, you have to uh, see what's going wrong, reflect, look at yourself, work harder. Um, so so if, I think it, if it wasn't for my mum at that time, I probably might have even given up because I was, I don't know whether I expected to make it or not. I think, I think sometimes when you play with lots of people from a, a club or a region or an age group and you see other people getting selected and then you're not I think you question well why because you feel like you're at the same ability but obviously if they don't see something in you then you know it's up to them to obviously see that isn't it and choose you so I came away feeling a bit confused and obviously um not really knowing what to do um and then obviously, and I, I then subsequently was very poorly with glandular fever for a few years. So I went through a really rough time. So it wasn't really till I was at least 18 that I went to university and I started to pick up again. Um, I decided to move clubs 
actually to give myself a better chance of trying to make it because I wasn't really um at that point you have to you had to be put forward by a coach to make it into the international system the system has changed a lot now for the better but you have to get put forward by a coach um and I actually decided to change clubs to give myself a better chance of making it um and like I said I had gone through a bit of a rough time I had been very ill I'd lost a lot of confidence with um under a coach um so I'd made this decision for sort of the good of myself and the good of trying to make it and when my this new coach um said that she was going to put me forward for an England trial um I was I was really in shock because I didn't really feel very prepared I didn't feel like I was playing my best hockey I was really really knocked down I was probably playing I personally didn't feel like I was playing some of my best hockey um but I was really she, she believed in me she was like you can do it I believe in you um I know that you can do this and I want to provide you with this opportunity so um on the on the day of going down I was like right you know what this is going to be my last shot um I wasn't enjoying playing sometimes because of um not being it sort of the confidence not that I'd had uh, so I bought actually bought some athletic spikes so at Loughborough I was actually going to join the athletics team um and so I was like you know I'm going to go down I'm going to give it my all I'm going to not think about the pressure I'm going to pretend like no one's here I'm going to almost try and shine as bright as I can um and I did and I did play well um oh I thought I played as well as I could anyway um and I came away and I was really happy with sort of what I did I was scoring goals and I was doing what I, and actually one of the coaches came up to me at the, on the trial and said where have you been? <laughs> and I was like, I've been here the whole time. Like, you've just not been selecting me. Um, yeah, so I was, so I came away and I got my letter inviting me to join the England, obviously, in the 21s um, from that trial, because that was obviously that age group. Um, so actually, the athletic spikes were needed from that point on. And since that trial, I've obviously never looked back because then I was in the England in the 21s for two years. And then I got called up to the seniors. Um, but up till that trial, that's where a lot of my challenges were presented because I guess you don't make the first trial and then you hit a rough patch of being unwell. Then you have, then you get to that stage where you feel like you're too old to break into an international system. And I got told that I was never, I was told that I would never be good enough to play for my country. Um, Obviously, that's a huge confidence not to hear. Um, I was the only newcomer to join the system out of 30 trialists. That's how that's how late I joined the system. Um, so yeah, there was, that, that that was a huge challenge for me. I think even now I reflect on that and think, I mean, I can't change it. That's just what happened. Um, it it meant that I fought, it, and that's why I get very emotional around um like tournaments and results um medals that we win or um if any like say so, so now what I'm going through with this injury and not being able to play and whether I could my career might have ended up trying to make it back because I just feel like that time of all those years that I had to fight to, just to try and get there it almost just sometimes bubbles up in me if you know what I mean. So 
it just means a lot because I've always wanted to play for my country and and now that I'm doing it it's obviously a great job but um it took a long time to get there and that's what I tell a lot of youngsters when I go out and speak to them it's that just never give up because if if I'd have given up at that first trial of being 15 16 I'd never have an Olympic gold medal around my neck um I'd have walked away and I probably would have I might never have made it an athletics either so sometimes you've just got to keep buckling down if you if you if you really want something the grass isn't always greener on the other side you've got to keep working hard for it there might be a time where it might never happen but don't just stop at the first failure keep trying keep trying and then obviously keep um make a decision further down the line um and then yeah my, my other biggest challenge has just been this injury so it's you know I'm getting a lot better and it's been a bit of a a whirlwind to say the least I didn't obviously expect it to be as long or um, as challenging as it has been but I guess it's taught me to not take things for granted and the job we do as athletes is <laughs> and the level of fitness that we're at is just incredible um even now like I'm two years on and I, I and I go outside and do you know a half an hour training session of circuits and things and even now I still get a feeling of I can't believe I've just done that um you know I'm st- I still have headaches I still have nausea I still have um I still have very minor issues with things but I just get that I don't it's it's just a very deep down feeling I I just get I'm just surprised all the time that I'm amazed that my body's like um adapting and changing for the better and I I love it it's a great feeling because obviously I want to get back to playing international hockey but from where I was two years ago I just I still get that shock feeling of I can't believe I'm able to do this training like it's it's so amazing that my body's letting me letting me do this now compared to just being able to walk to a shop down the road and back and then that was it the whole day so yeah just to not take what we do for granted because our bodies are incredible and um I think you just get into a little bubble of yeah I can deadlift 100 kilograms and yeah I can sprint for 20 20 meter shuttle in six seconds and actually that's just you know that's peak performance like that's not normal and I just look Mm -hmm. at as well yeah that's just normal (laughs) so um yeah lots of there's been some lots and lots of ups and downs in it's been nearly 11 years now so um got lots of memories but some good some bad (laughs) I guess the bad makes the good a lot sweeter doesn't it yeah 100% 100% and I think going back to, to what you initially said about being that kind of 15-year-old getting turned down an opportunity to, to represent like age group um, hockey stuff, it's like it's a really important message and I think it happens to a lot of youngsters and at that age there's so much pressure put on young athletes to make it and if they don't make it at that age then they're going to miss the boat when actually 15 is yeah. still so young especially with now like athletes yeah. kind of lifespans are getting a bit longer like research medicine sports coaching that's advancing like you now kind of in terms of rugby from from what we know there's still like mid-30s 
players and playing like the best rugby they've ever played really um like hey, um, they'll be is not all Sarah <laughs> <laughs> that's not but like I guess like growing up as kids if you if you had like a 35 year old Olympian you'd kind of be like whoa that's impressive whereas actually now that's pretty normal and and that's sometimes where athletes are put, like I guess putting in the best performances at that age yeah I totally agree and that's um, I've been to lots of um, obviously sporting events obviously we get invited to lots of events um, and I see a variety when I speak to children I, ha- I see a variety of um, answers where, to reasons why they might be thinking of dropping out and it's sometimes sad that it might be to do with pushy parents so I remember one girl I met that was doing athletics was um, she was only like, I don't even know, 12, 13, like quite young, but really, really talented. And she was just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going to quit and go to play something else. Or, you know, I, I'm just obviously, basically her mum's obviously just so desperate for her to be pushed and do more. And she's just like, I just want to go and have fun. I'm just running for fun. Like, I'm obviously really good at it, but, um, or um oh yeah or they've failed they've not they're not making it they're not hitting times they're not they're not getting scouted um there's so there's so many different reasons um that the children either feel downhearted or coaches don't like them um or not getting where they want to quick enough um and I always just say to them look like it took me till I was 19 to make my first England cap um yeah under 21s that was junior um and that yes that's that's late but you know you sometimes you have to wait you have to wait for the opportunity um it's not it's it's not over there's people that now come in later there's, there's probably people that haven't even played junior hockey that that come in um but later than me potentially um so I, t- I tell them just just go with it like just as long as you're enjoying exercise and as long as you're enjoying the training you're doing as long as you're trying your best um you will get scouted at some point uh you just need to make yourself the best of what you can be and then the opportunities will hopefully come your way from there but by putting that pressure on yourself it's just making your life harder um and you're then not going to enjoy the sport and therefore the dropout rate is just going to start increasing so I don't know I just try and reassure them that the opportunities aren't sort of far and gone and that my career is sort of a an example of that that it took me a long time also to break into the system and there can be success stories so they're so young that they don't need to be worrying about that at 13 14 years old you know what I mean so yeah massively I think um, with that, like obviously that is the like advice you'd give to like kids who don't believe that they can break through. And I think that that is so, so valuable because I can't remember being that age. And when your teammates get selected for stuff that you don't, you are like, you don't understand. I think as you get older, you're like, okay, they're better at me, better than me at X, Y, and Z. Whereas when you're a kid, you're like, well, we're both playing for the same team. Like you just don't see it as much. Um, exactly. What would your advice be for anybody that's going through like a long-term injury at the moment, if that's concussion or something else that's keeping them out of their sport um I think I think my biggest learning has been to 
to stay to stay as present as possible which is really cliche because obviously we get taught that in in, in fact you think I'd be really good at this <laughs> because uh, we get taught this all the time in um, psychology with um, you know performance playing in performance but throw it throw it into a different context and I really struggled because all I was worrying about was well, what if I do that well how will I feel tomorrow and um, if I did because if I did something wrong I'd be in bed for like a week um, just just having to try and recover and get my headaches back down to a level where it was okay to then start to go back outside or something so I was constantly worrying about repercussions of things or then um, going backwards and feeling depressed about I couldn't even do that before so, so I think my advice would be my biggest learning has been to not go not go too far ahead so it might only be a plan today um, at maximum I might plan maybe what I might think about doing tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon and then try not to go backwards either so you're staying in quite a nice little medium of time and therefore emotionally you're staying as stable as possible um, um, and you're just focusing on small little tasks that you can do so therefore you're building a bit of confidence back in yourself um and not letting your injury sort of take over and and rule you because that was the worst thing i that i found and it's taken me probably at least over 18 months to switch this was i completely felt like the head injury and the concussion was in charge of me um and and whether that's true or not like i i don't I don't know, but I just felt like it was determining what I could and couldn't do um, rather than potentially maybe if I knew what I knew now and <laughs> and could think how I could think now because I obviously couldn't think straight at the time, but rather than thinking, well, what can I do? Um, so it's just switching your mindset to thinking of more. It might be only very small tasks, but think of things small things, tangible things, um, things that are achievable to keep your spirits high and keeping your time frames very small so you're not wandering and getting anxious about things that are, may or may not even happen and not going backwards and feeling sad about things that have gone um, so it's not affecting your mood and I think that's the best advice. I think that is such good advice like I know that like when I've had injuries before they like because physios do give you a time scale they say this is four to six months so you're immediately like okay in four months we've got this game I'm going to be back for that game and then when that doesn't happen it, it is just like constant knockbacks whereas if you look at it on a much smaller time scale then you can have so many more like positive outcomes that way yeah because um, yeah although exactly they give it. you recommendations like it's I guess you'll know better than anybody that actually like concussion sometimes isn't a two-week return to play no, because I was told I oh, well, I was hoping to be back within three months. Well, three months, four months, six months, and then like you say, it's just gone on and on and on. So you can't, you can't, you want something and you want to be better for something. And there's no harm in, there's no harm in thinking like, oh, like it's you know it's September, it's the start of the season in September. Where are we now, April? So it's just four or five months away. Um, there's no harm in me thinking I'd love to be 
back to playing in September. Um, but that's it. It's almost just like it's a it's a passing whimsical sort of. I'd like to like, and it doesn't go any further as to. It's just a feeling of because you can't stop having feelings. Like feelings are just something that's going to come, and the more you try and just bat them away, like they're strong. They're stronger. They're just going to keep attacking you, and that's what I've really battled with. Sometimes I've tried to suppress everything because I don't want to be feeling. Or like <laughs> all, all the feelings because uh, they've just been too much because I've been so so desperate to just be better be back playing I don't want to be injured I don't want to be ill anymore um and it took me a long long time to accept I, I guess when you're told that the injury is going to be six months or the injury is going to you 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 think I'm well it's six months so why am I still ill why is that why this why that and the more you keep going around in this vicious cycle it's just not healthy so you can think that I'd love to be back but it's just that's it and then you come straight back to where you are and okay well what am I doing now anyway so this is what I'm going to do today because that what by me focusing on what I can do today and getting the most out of my day which is was based is basically all I think about now is how can I get the most out of my day and by me doing that um I know that my goal will be more achievable by play, hopefully playing in September for, for, for a club, if you know what I mean. And it's the same, it, it's no different to how elite people go through their training. It's basically the same, which is why I was so frustrated that I have had so many challenges and problems with like mood and um, mental health and things because you think everything we've been through and everything we've been taught with how to handle pressure and training environments and you know we know how to plan out training days and we know how to um part things off and put things to a side and focus on this but honestly if you throw it out of context and you throw in chronic <laughs> chronic pain and you throw in you know locking yourself away from everybody and you it just everything goes out the window and you can't think clearly um and it just gets a grip and then you're just almost in a spiral. So that's that, that's my advice to people that are going through difficult times. Yeah, it's such a good point in terms of being injured. Injured athletes are so used to having their day planned to a T for them, even if if it's a like their part time training and and doing part time work. Like everything is meticulously planned to a T. You know what's happening, yeah. and it really prepares you for the emotions of injury. And it's so yeah. difficult not to get fixated on getting back or doing X, Y, Z or the things that you can't do. And then that negative spiral, like Ron and I both know it is such a tough yeah. thing to break and get out of. Yeah, it's really hard to get out of. It is doable, though. Um, mm. You can get out of it. Um, it just takes a lot of it. it, it it does take a lot of effort though like it's quite a big effort to change your thought patterns and your thought process but it is doable and it just takes a bit of practice to like say because because your thoughts become habits and like I guess once you're in a habit of doing something or talking to yourself in a certain way um that it just becomes very difficult then to obviously get out of it and that's why we all struggle so it is doable but it just takes a bit of practice 
kind of brings us on quite nicely to our, our next question in terms of isolation life. So has this, <laughs> as it is the lockdown series, um, how has isolation life been treating you? Do you think that actually um, in, a, in a weird way, the past few months have probably helped you prepare for isolation life? <laughs> Funny you say that. <laughs> I almost feel like it's just normal for me. Yeah, I I actually feel I'm fine. <laughs> like I I genuinely feel like I think obviously going through the injury has been it, it could nothing could get worse for me. Um I'm if you think about it I'm coming out of probably one of the worst times of my whole life. So for me I'm comparing yes obviously this is very similar like in terms of the isolation but for me nothing could get worse the fact that I'm home now um, I'm, I'm, I'm my parents at the minute because uh, my boyfriend's obviously locked himself away from everyone else in a different location um so I've come home and I'm with my mum who I'm very close to um that, that's that's great like I've got company I've got a garden I can keep active um I can go for a well I'm obviously healthy enough to go for a walk down the canal now I mean my appetite's back so I'm having nice home-cooked food um like mentally I'm I'm doing okay because I'm used to it I'm used to I've had two years by myself like having a head injury of just having to focus on every single day and like I've just just spoken about trying to get through the days so for me yeah okay it's a bit boring like it's not ideal and i I'd much prefer to be out seeing people, but in terms of the isolation lockdown, I'm just, I feel very much prepared for it from what I've been through, which is why when it happened and I saw a lot of people posting on social media and all these things coming out about how to look after yourself and, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. I can't do this. I'm, I'm losing it. And I was like, why is everyone losing it? Like, what? it's not even that big a deal. And I thought, oh my God, it's because I've obviously been through it's because I've been through something already probably that's prepared me and now I'm just like well this is my normal <laughs> so yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a wacky one it's a bit of a crazy one but out of everybody I'm probably you know the most prepared for this to be honest have you got any top tips for folk that are struggling oh god I mean it's not <laughs> <laughs> sorry we've asked I mean, you for so much advice today yeah. <laughs> you should be you should be charging us for this charging every listener it's not it's not ideal I mean I don't think there's much I'm going to be able to say that's going to cheer anyone up but get yourself a crazy catch they are so much fun they're not even that expensive but they provide a lot of entertainment and you can play indoors and outdoors um probably check that um um no I mean keeping yourself busy in terms of food prep so like um planning your food and your meals is um important to keep make sure you're not eating loads of crap because everybody just automatically goes to the rubbish cupboard and eats loads of because even I'm doing that and obviously like this is I'm trying to stay on the good side of my athletic career right now. Um <laughs> but everyone automatically goes to the rubbish cupboard. So plan your meals out. Um find I mean, reading books, people, people love reading books. So there's plenty of time for reading books. In fact, it's probably the best time you can 
um, actually just learn about yourself, um, sort of just self-care. Um, I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I actually think this time is going to maybe bring us back to sort of how we should be. Like, because I just think sometimes we live a bit fast and a bit frantic. Um, I know this is a little bit extreme, as in being isolated and by yourself for so long, but I think it gives you a, t- a bit, like I said before, a bit of time to reflect and think about yourself and what you need um, with without that interaction of everybody all the time. Um, and I did find it hard for the few years with the injury and stuff, but you soon find ways and you soon find a lot out a lot about yourself, about how to cope. Um, so for me, I, I know that I turn to, uh, well, did, did some colouring, did some reading. Um, I, when I could go out for walks, which we are still allowed to do, like I found nature really helpful. Um, uh, listening to meditation and some, um, I mean, people probably do yoga, but I wasn't a massive fan because I struggled with it, but meditation and yoga is really good just to calm everything down and like I said before about staying like where you are now and thinking about like what you're grateful for and all the things you've got around you rather than daydreaming or going too far ahead like what have you got now what have you got around you like think about the life you have rather than we're always like reaching for something that we probably just don't even need so you can soon fill time and focus on yourself I think and and potentially make yourself maybe better um, in this time. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's, that's just kind of how, how I feel about this time, this isolation period. I totally agree. And I think like hardship, like the injury that you've gone through and also like kind of unforeseen times like this really make you realise like who's important in your life and like who's reaching out for you and like yeah I, I do think there's so much that can be learned from this period and also I agree with what you said about yoga because it seems like a good idea and then you're like why is that so hard <laughs> it's really hard yeah so I think it'd be hard. fine if there was no downward dog but um that seems to be 90% of it no it's super hard I'm not very good at it so just to finish off and um, we just wanted to ask you kind of what your aspirations are at the moment so although, although we have just talked about time skills. <laughs> So oh yeah. yeah maybe that's a ridiculous question but yeah kind of what's next for you and your journey if that's as a as a hockey player or kind of an, um, in a wider sense no I think I think at the moment like I'm still very much on the hockey goal like you've probably seen from my social media and and journey that I'm really trying to make it back to playing um and I do feel close I mean I say I I feel like I keep saying it I feel like I keep saying I'm close and it's just because every time I make improvements I obviously I'm getting closer but there is still a way for me to go um I still need to be integrated around other players which I haven't done yet I still need my fitness to be a lot higher I still need to get stronger so this it's going to come it's inevitable it's going to come at some point um obviously there's a massive question mark whether I can play at that level with the pain, the nausea, the migraines, um, the stimulus. Like, 
we don't know when it's going to go. So there's a lot of question marks around all of it, but it's kind of all moving in the right direction and it's all, I feel like it's going well. So my, my aspiration is I'm definitely on the path of wanting to make it back to the hockey first and foremost. Obviously Tokyo has now been delayed, which it for myself is huge, is, is, is a kind of a positive thing really, because that's going to give me more time. It's not a positive thing for everybody else that was going to be going to it because that's, um, that isn't good. But in terms of my recovery and my journey, that's going to give me a lot more time now. So we're just going to have to see what happens with that. But Tokyo would be an amazing, amazing achievement. And I mean, if that happened and I did manage to play back on that pitch um, after this injury, like, I mean, I'm going to be very emotional if that happens because even now, like, like I said to you before, like I'm, I'm not allowing myself to go that far because I don't know if it's possible but sometimes I want I want to let myself go and think about it and it does make me feel really emotional because I want it more than anything like I, that's what I love and that's my job and that's what I feel I'm good at and I've and I still feel like I have unfinished business and aspirations in terms of being a better player um I still feel like I I was in such a good place when I got injured like I was I was feeling in a really good place. Um, I was ready to sort of hit new targets. I was ready to push myself personally further on, on like my aesthetic career journey. So I almost, I mean, yeah, I've got, so I've got those two aspirations. Of, I would love to make it to that. I would love to be able to push myself as an athlete more, but whether they're going to now happen is very questionable depending on my injury because it, they both might not allow that so it might have to be tailored and then if none of that happens then I will aspire to enter the working world and um I'll obviously coach I'll do some coaching for now um I've done a little bit of coaching so far um in the meantime with Cambridge City and um that was a really good um stage in my recovery to do some coaching so I'll definitely continue that and then I will then look to do some form of, I say, proper job, but I will look to transition to some proper work. Um, I'd like to do something creative with, around people. Um, I'm not sure where that fits in yet because I haven't had the time with this injury. It was this time with the injury was due to be going into sort of work, um, sort of work placements and go and get that experience. So I knew whether I would go into sort of business. Um, sort of um, account management or marketing or event management so I wasn't sure what area to go into um, so I've not had that opportunity now with this injury but there's not saying that's not saying that I can't do that in this near future now so my aspiration is that I definitely want to I'm looking forward to getting a job and transition out of sport at some point I just don't know when that will be and I don't know if it will be imminently now if I can't make it back or whether it'll be later down the line if I do make it back for Tokyo and then I can maybe carry on for a couple of years. So, yeah, there's there's still a lot to look forward to. And um, I've just kind of got to take this year, how it, you know, how it comes and look after my health first and foremost and then see what happens. 
Oh no, we really appreciate that. And like you've had got such an inspiring story. So thank you so much for, for sharing it with us and, and I'm sure the listeners will love it as well. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. We Thanks, wish you guys. all the best, Nick. You've got this <laughs> rooting for you. Thanks, guys. Cause we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, boat laureate, we're on the move and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going, we're coming through, rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid, you're a work of art, or Jones of art, always be proud of who you are.